Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. All right, I said at the beginning of the service, but if you were a couple of minutes late, we wrap up a sermon series today that we're calling Ask Me Anything. You send in a bunch of questions, and we're trying to answer those questions honestly. And we're also trying to answer those questions live. So if you hear something today, even in this room, you can open up your phone. You can go to YouTube, Facebook, or our live channel. And if you hear something and you're saying, wait, I need to know more, type a question in, in the chat, and we will do our best to answer your question live today before this service is over with. We subtitled this Swimming in Stormy Seas because the whole five weeks are dealing with relationships. And when people start to get close to one another, the waters start to get a little bit stormy and rocky, and you have to deal with differences. And we've been tackling some really, really hard questions, y'all. We've dealt with abortion. We've dealt with adultery. We've dealt with alcohol in the church. We talked about the pain of uh, Divorce, we've talked about politics and the damage that it can do. And these two brothers next to me, Pastor Chris Poirier, who left our church to plant River Valley Church here in the Chattahoochee Valley, and Pastor Troy Singleton, our executive pastor, have knocked it out of the park dealing with some tough subjects. Well, today, it's just as difficult because today we're gonna talk about cultural and racial differences. And the overarching question that brought this topic up is people in our church said, hey, I'm getting into life groups and I'm going deep with people in my group and we're starting to really, really get to know each other. The deeper that we go, the more I start to realize we're different than each other culturally. And we're trying to build biblical community, but we come from different cultures. And yo, this is hard. How do you do this? That's the real question that we're going to try to answer for you today. A couple of years ago, I was in a panel discussion, community-wide, talking to church leaders about racial unity in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moderator kind of said to me, Jeff, it appears that you're getting really worked up on this issue. Like, why are you getting so fired up on this issue? And I made this statement, and I'm going to put it on the screens for you as a kind of an overarching statement to what you're going to hear today. Look on the screens. I said, listen, what we're talking about today really isn't skin issues. We're not talking about color of skin problems. What we're actually trying to discuss is heart issues. And what I found is skin issues are usually sin issues. And it's the heart behind the problem that usually is the reason why the church is struggling here. So what we're gonna do is just get real honest right now about some questions that you sent in on these issues. And I'm gonna open these questions up to either one of them, Pastor Chris or Troy. And question number one uh, comes from people that are in life groups together in Two Cities Church. And Two Cities has people connecting all over the country and around the world. And there's some pretty big cultural differences. So the first question is, how do I do this? How do I accept cultural differences in my group and get close to each other without getting dysfunctional? 
And as we were preparing for this today, the verse that came to our minds comes out of Romans, 6, or Romans chapter 12. And here's what verse 16 says. Live in harmony with one another. This is written to believers, Jews and Greeks in the Roman church. Live in harmony with one another. And here's how you do that. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble and do not be wise in your own estimation or the Bible is basically saying, don't think that you're all of that because you're really not. So either one of you two, Troy, Chris, how do I get deep in a life group with people that are culturally different than me and not let it turn into dysfunction and arguments the whole time? I would say kind of the way we, our sermon series, Ask Me Anything, and we use the operating stormy seas as a reference. So I will use that analogy as well in this one. Throw them a lifeline. And what I mean with a lifeline, a flotation device in scripture. And so you either lead with it or you bring it up later within the discussion. You have a Bible scripture that everyone can tie to and hold on to because the storms, is, the conversation is going to get very stormy. So you need that scripture reference to go back to, to hold you, to keep you from drowning in the midst of that discussion. And the deeper you go, the more scriptures you use as a flotation device to keep people afloat. And you allow people to express their differences, why they feel the way they feel, and then, but you have that flotation device to keep them from drowning in their emotions. We use that scripture reference to help do that, but there's many others that are two numbers for us to, to put into today's text related to the subject. So by doing that, you can keep the conversation, you can keep the relationships from being broken at the end of your discussion. If you're doing that, you lead with Christ, you end in with Christ. So they may have a disagreement with you, but if they have a disagreement with scripture, that's really a problem. So that's something that y'all came into that discussion on agreement on that we're gonna stand on God's word. So you use that um, scripture reference or scripture text to do just that. And can we just respect the fact that he said, throw your brother or sister a lifeline here. Chris, anything you want to add? So I think there's a few things that are really important here to consider. And one of those first things is the reality that God actually calls us to try to live in unity. And you're going to see that word unity a lot throughout scripture, that he's truly seeking that. We're going to talk about it a little further down the line today, but what does heaven look like? What is heaven supposed to look like? And we know that it's of, of every nation, of every tongue, of every race, color, creed, et cetera, imaginable. Well, then that means probably we should look a little bit like that. Um, but he also calls that we're going to be in unity and in unity of Christ together. So again, where our foundation lies is super important. But I'm going to do what I normally do up here and say something kind of challenging. And that's also to remind all of you, it's not about you. I think you probably need to say that again to me <laughs> and everybody else in the room. I'm Christianity not, is what? It's not about you. It truly isn't. And um, I'll tell you, I struggled with that for a long time. Pride is one of my biggest things that I struggle with all the time. And here I sit as a pastor called to talk to other people about things and not make it about me. Well, it's not about me. And it's not about you either. And the quicker we come to that place, especially when we're talking with our brothers and sisters and people, especially that don't know Christ, it becomes a lot easier for that unity to occur because then it's not about my personal goals in life. It's not about the things that I do. It's more about what I do, what Christ allows me to do 
in service of the kingdom. So throw a lifeline. Remember it's not about you. Or one thing I've taken up doing in a lot of circumstances where I don't know about a particular culture is ask a lot of questions yeah. and then actually listen. I might say that one again because usually our culture, we end up in a position where we ask questions, but we don't care about the answer. And you're basically just waiting for your ability to give a response to their answer no right. matter what they said anyway, right? Right. So I'm always more interested in, and personally, I've always tried to seek, especially after becoming a Christian, finding cultures I don't understand and then going, teach me. You will learn so much if you just get quiet and listen. Yeah, so when, when you're in a church small group, and by small, I mean five to eight people, and you really start to go deep, the cultural differences in your group can get really dysfunctional. And if you're not careful, you'll deal with the differences and forget about the many, many similarities that you have in common. And basically, on this first question, what you're hearing from Pastors Chris and Troy is the challenge to acknowledge the differences, but let them cause you to flourish as a group instead of causing you to struggle and to flounder and spend all of your time just talking about what's different instead of talking about what unites us together from different cultures, different colors of skin, even different languages, because we have people that have different first languages connected with Two Cities Church. All right, so these questions are going to start causing us on the stage to squirm, and you might start squirming a little bit because question number two starts to ask about preferences. And let's just be honest, y'all. Chris just said it. It's not about me. It's not about you. Troy just said you might need to help a brother or sister by throwing them a lifeline. Well, we all have our preferences. But question number two asks, how do I prevent my church preference from turning into an idol? Like, what does it look like if it turns into an idol? Because all of us have our preferences in music and in preaching and in lights and in the way that we dress. All of us have preferences. Well, if you were with us as we studied through the Gospel of John, we'll be right back in John 18 next week. But here's what Jesus said to his people right before he was getting ready to go to the cross. John chapter 13, verse 34. I give you a new command. And here it is. Love one another. Now, that sounds easy to do until you read what he says next. Just as I have loved you, that's the way that you're supposed to. You also are to love one another like I have loved you. And let's be honest, everybody that was in the crowd that day was a little bit different, maybe even a whole lot different from Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to love each other the way that I loved you. So for either one of you two, how do I acknowledge that I have preferences but not elevate those preferences to the point that they actually become a problem and maybe even idolatry. And I'm worshiping my preference when I go to church. Ouch. It's not about you. Um, you, you they might, even I might believe it by the end of today. Um, Preferences distract us, right? But it's what we find. We always are going to go towards what is comfortable, what we know to be ourselves, where people are like us. That is actually a human being defense mechanism, that we are always going to gravitate towards people that look like us, sound like us, and act like us. That, and that's, sing the same songs and vote the same way we vote. Right. That, that is just a natural part of our existence. And if I wanted to be really challenging today, I'd say it's also part of our sin nature. Um, because 
we are thinking again about us and not about who we are called to be in those circumstances. So one thing that I really want to focus on in terms of preferences and everything is look to scripture to show us an example of what dangers occur when we do that. And you're probably sitting there going, wait, this is in the Bible somewhere? Most of these things are in the Bible. I know that's shocking, but that's kind of why God provided this to us. And going all the way back to the beginning into Genesis, we can look at the story of the Tower of Babel and go, wait, how is this important, Pastor Chris? Well, it's important because literally everyone at that time is like, I really love you, God. Um, how do we get closer to you? And a bunch of their friends got together and they said, let's build a tower as tall as we can so maybe we can literally touch heaven or touch God so we can stand face to face with this wonderful Lord of ours. And some of you are probably saying, well, that doesn't sound all bad, right? We get to go see God and we do know he's amazing and everything. But God literally looked down upon those people and went, you're missing the point. All of you came together around this one thing and you built a tower, in this case, an idol of them being worshipful, but then went, but you're all the same. You're all here trying to seek this one thing. And what did he do to that group of people? He scattered and confused their language so that the word of God would touch every corner of the earth. So what started out as a wonderful thought of, I just want to get closer to you, God, ended up making them so laser focused that they even missed the point of what God was trying to do with his people. To the point that if you read the scripture, it uses the word that God frustrated them, confused their language, and then spread them. Wow. Troy. Just to piggyback on what Chris said earlier, you felt it through the word. I have on glasses, so if you were to take these glasses and say these, these glasses represent the Bible, and I would look at the word through these lens, so I base everything, that decision that I make based on scripture. So you do the same thing, but the problem is a lot of people are filtering their decisions through other things, either politics or preference of music and so on and so forth, and that's how they're deciding how they're going to worship, where they're going to worship, what's proper worship, music, everything. And they're flipping it instead of flipping it the other, back the other way and look at it through the lens of God. God didn't have a preference of music. He didn't speak on these things that man has created, and we have created for that matter as an idea of how we worship. For me, I love diversity. That's why I love the military because it was a mixture of people from all walks of life. I grew up in a predominantly black town, black school, everything. So when I came in the military, I wanted to find out what other cultures do. So I sought those things out, but I realized everyone are not like me. They like being around people who look like them, dress like them, vote like them, so on and so forth. And they're comfortable in those settings and don't agree with folks that don't. But if you are looking at it through the lens of the Bible, through what God said, what Jesus gave the example of, then you are a follower if you're doing those things. If you're not, then how are you a follower if you're not doing those things? Because that's what Jesus did. He hung out with sinners. He didn't really hang out with believers. He had people who were sinners washing his feet and drying his, their hair with, I mean, with their stuff. But, and that's how he functioned and operated. And if we're saying we are Christians and we are believers and we are followers of him, then we have to follow his example. Yeah, so as you two were talking, I was sitting there trying to get, I got this image in my mind of what you're saying. What we might do if we're not careful is go to church and take our preferences at church, which aren't a bad thing necessarily, and turn them into the Tower of Babel. And God was not happy. He got 
he frustrated their language. He scattered them around the face of the earth because they had elevated their preferences into something that it was never supposed to be. A, a good thing became the number one thing. And when it became the number one thing, it got turned into an idol. So guys, I'll, I want to rewind to the very first week. We, we started five weeks ago in this little mini-series. And we said, there are some issues that are just different between me and another guy or gal in my life group. And some of those issues, we use three B words, are across the block issues. Like, I'm on this house, they're in that house. We're on the same street. We're just slightly different houses on this issue. Some of those issues are across the bridge issue, and we used Columbus, Georgia, and Phoenix City, Alabama. There's a very real border and a bridge you got to cross over to get to those issues on the other side of the bridge. But we said some of those issues are actually across the border. Like, you just went over the border into Mexico. You're in a whole nother country, and that ain't Christianity anymore. And if you didn't catch that first sermon, I want you to go back and to listen to the, what we described, those five cross-the-border issues. If it's not one of these things, you just left Christianity, and whatever you claim to be right now, it is not what the Bible describes as a follower of Jesus. So now, guys, I'm just going to punt this one to you. Our preferences in the way that we're supposed to dress and the way that the preacher is supposed to deliver his sermon and the style of music, are those across-the-block issues? Are those across the border or across the bridge issues or like different denominational things or are those across the border? We just left the, the, uh, the country and went into an entirely new country on this one. Where would you stack? What are some of those issues that you would stack as across the block, across the border, across the bridge? It depends. And that shouldn't shock anyone that's been with us for five weeks that I'm going to take the middle road on that one because I think it's true. I think there are certain circumstances where there are differences in worship styles or in music choice that we can say, yep, sure, that guy lives across the block. They're an all-him household, and that's great. That's and we're wonderful. not, and that's cool. That's fine. Um, there are other circumstances where I may look at a church and go, well, are they actually bringing glory and worshiping God, which is what we were supposed to be doing? Or have we created a country club of like-minded, similar-looking people that do rituals onto a deity at the end of the day? Hmm. Because, unfortunately, I'm not going to pull this punch. I do believe there are Christian churches in America and across the world that that's what they're doing. And I'm not 100% sure that's... I, I know it's not what we're called to do. But I think it potentially at times can wander into a dangerous place that it, it, is that Christianity anymore? Are we actually proclaiming Christ in those instances? Or have we created a place that we go on Sunday to feel better about ourselves and hear a feel-good sermon? And we go and we have lunch and we spend the entire day not being Christians to our community or to one another. Yeah. That I think th there's a very diff big difference between those two realities. Troy? Same to Chris. And the reason I, I can't say decisively one way or another, because it depends on your community. It depends on your area. It depends on what part of the world that you're in. The size on your makeup. If you're in an area that's predominantly your race, you're going to obviously, it's not going to be a big issue for you on certain issues and topics. In other cases, it is. Only individually, we can decide based on the community that, that we're in. And you address those situations accordingly. 
Yeah, and I just want to add real quickly on this one. If you come from the tradition where the pastor's supposed to wear a coat and tie and everybody dresses to the nines to show off our wardrobe and our wealth, obviously that's not us. But that's not, if that's where you are, sure, that may be across the block thing. If you come from a tradition where that church baptizes babies, well, we don't. And there's some very big theological differences between them and us. That may be an across the bridge thing, but they're still very much Christian and we can lock arms to advance the kingdom together. But then there are some denominations, and I'm just going to put air quotes on the word denomination, that have the name Jesus in the title of their denomination, but you cross the border into another country in that denomination because that junk ain't Christianity. And we spelled out very clearly the five tenets of Christianity and that those denominations that don't hold to those things, whatever you call yourself, even if you have Jesus in the title, that ain't Christianity. You cross the border into a whole nother country. So obviously we have preferences when we come to church and maybe you like this kind of music, maybe you like that kind of dress, maybe you expect people to act this way in church and it's okay that you have preferences, but be careful because those preferences may start to dominate and all of a sudden you're worshiping your preference. I'm just going to say it that way and not Jesus. And now you've crossed over into idolatry, which is a sin. In fact, it's number one on the top 10. So be careful that you don't elevate your preference to the point of idolatry. And if all of us aren't squirming by now, maybe question number three will cause us to squirm a little bit. Because question number three says, let's say that I live in a community that is very culturally, very racially diverse. But when I look at my church, it looks like we're entirely one color of skin, one culture, one race, one ethnicity. In fact, we pretty much all vote the same way. Is God okay with that? When the whole community looks very different, but the church looks very much one race, one color of skin, and I'm just going to ask it in this way. Is God okay with that, Chris, Troy? And here's where we get into Jesus's, uh, Jesus kind of gives us a hint here. Go back and please do this for yourself, not for us on stage. Do this for yourself. Go back and read Luke chapter 13, because in Luke chapter 13, Jesus describes what it looks like when his people are pursuing building the kingdom of God and not their own kingdom. And Jesus gives a vivid description, Luke 13, verse 29 and 30. They, my people, will come from the east and the west, the north and the south to share in the banquet of the kingdom of God. And note this, some who are first here on earth and some, some who are last here on earth will be first in the kingdom of God and some who are first here on earth will be last in the kingdom of God. So Chris, Troy, Troy, Chris, is it okay with God that I'm in a very multicultural community but the church looks like one color of skin and one culture only? And let's just be honest, the people that maybe have a different color of skin are pretty much the same culture as everybody else. And their skin color is just a little different, a little darker or a little lighter. I would say God would want them to be diverse. And the reason I say that, we constantly change. And if I would say God is saying today, tomorrow, and forevermore, but as our community changes and culture changes, we're not changing because of the community or allowing the community to change us. We're just changing how effective we are within the community. For example, I would say um, uh, the website, social media. Everyone knows there's 
a lot of stuff that's pointless on social media, but as a church family and as a body of Christ, you can use it for your good to reach the loss. And that's how you use the um, media outlets and Facebook and, and Instagram and all these things to spread Christ. So it depends on where you are and how you want to diversify your congregation to fit the needs of your community, you do those things. And which this question pretty much goes back to the first two, are you going to do those things to, to reach your community to be more effective? Now, <laughs> when we were talking about this question, of course, we gave different examples of pastors we know who are dealing with behind the scenes issues on this. I know, without naming the church, it was a predominantly black church and they had um, some white stock coming to the church and one of the day, the black gentleman said, hey, pastor, we have a lot of other people coming to the church. Is, is this gonna be a problem? And he said, I don't, I don't see a problem. The pastor, I don't see a problem. And the guy came back a couple weeks later and said, I don't know if I wanna be here, if this is gonna continue to happen. And he said, bye. And that's the correct response because we're down here saying we worshiping God and we want to be a church that reflection of Christ we can't be exclusive to people who are straight, who are gay, who are living a life that's different from ours. We have to be open to all because that's, that's what Jesus did. So we can't be exclusive and have a members only sign at the door and say, hey, I need, to, I need to check you out before you come in. We have to open the doors to everyone. So we've been talking about the different pieces and I think it's important. And I think one of the things that is definitely need to be said here is it's also the issue of we're, we're not saying that you should also force um, diversity into something. So don't misunderstand us saying the if you are in a 90% white community and you are 90% white, you are reflective of that community. But if you're in a community that is 48%, 13%, 26%, I'm not going to do math in public because pastors don't yeah, do math don't, in public. Pastors doing math on stage um, is not pretty. So I'm not doing the last number to equal 100 because that is not how this works. Um, but in your church at that point is 90% white. Are you, act, are you Tower of Babel? Are you missing the neighborhood that is directly in front of you? Um, are you in a neighborhood where a majority of your members actually travel over 20 miles to get to you, passing Lord knows how many yeah. gospel churches to get there because of your personal preference? Um, I'm, I'm walking on all of the things right now because I've seen it in my short term in ministry, and I know that these gentlemen have as well, is these are realities for a lot of churches. Is the, That church way over there, that's exactly what I'm looking for. They're... Music's exactly what I want. This is exactly what I want. But you literally drove past seven churches that probably are truly fine and grounded in the gospel and doing great things. But part of your preference probably made you go, but I'm not stopping in that neighborhood. And if we are trying to live like Christ and balance what Christ actually looks like, are we actually doing it and doing it correctly at that point? Um, Revelation shows us that it is not going to be a homogenous, single race, single culture heaven. Um, so why on earth if the church here, as Christ has instructed us, is to reflect the reality of the bride in its totality, if it looks homogenous and singular here, did we miss something on the way? 
And personally, I'm going to tell you we did. Um, and it's been a lot of focus yeah. and a lot of pain um, because I sit before you as a neon white, middle-aged white dude pastoring a church that really looked at a lot of urban centers and went, how did we miss this? Um, and we have to do better. Yeah, so to what you just heard from both of these guys, on the screen is Revelation 7, verse 9. I looked, and behold, there was a great multitude in front of me from every tribe, every language, every nation, and every tongue. Almost every one of those words are cultural words. Jesus was calling people into his family from cultures all across the planet. And if you don't know our history, this church began just a few years ago because we looked at our community and you could see in any restaurant, in any gas station, in any grocery store, great cultural diversity in our community. There are 440 churches in this metro area that we live in and not five of them that look like this community. And when we began Two Cities Church, we said this church will look like this community and we will radically pursue cultural diversity until Jesus comes back or until we look exactly like our community does. And you could walk in the doors of any church and look in about 30 seconds and tell whether or not that church really does represent their community. So the question number three, that's for effect. Question number three is a yes or no question. And I'm gonna give you a yes or no answer. No, God is not okay. If your church is very much one culture and your community is very much multicultural. Now you already heard, if your church is up in Alaska and it's 100% Inuit Indians, well then it should be 100% Inuit in your church. Everybody looks the same, everybody talks the language. But if your community doesn't look like that, and your church looks different than your community, we got a problem. And 60 years ago, Dr. King in our community, in our country said, why is it that the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most racially divided hour of the entire week in America? And I wanna ask the question, in 60 years, has the church of the Lord Jesus Christ made a whole lot of progress here? Guys, do we, are we doing a whole lot better in 2022 than we were 60 years ago when Dr. King made that statement on cultural diversity? No, and it does pain me every single time that I look at it because this is a circumstance where we constantly look at our own history and failed to learn a lesson. Um, are there places that are doing great things that are islands that are doing wonderful things for the kingdom and have done so? Yes. So don't sit, have, sit here and twist my words that I'm saying no one's figured it out. But to look at it and to be completely honest about it as a totality, and even at the denominational level, there are plenty of places that we're having conversations that we were yep. having 60 yep. years ago, yep. that we were having 100 years ago, and we're acting like it's something new and trying to find the solution when we, we know the answer. And for whatever reason, we continue to ignore that. And to be honest, it's probably because of our preference um, that we've done so. But knowing that denominations still refuse to throw the shackles of things that they know are wrong to the side, is, it's been very painful to watch. And then to look at a calendar and go, it's 2022, and yeah. we're having discussions on 
radically deep racism and other issues that are still part of the cornerstones of some denominations in this country, and that just makes my head hurt. Yeah, uh, I'm going to ask you this question this way, Troy, and we're going to kind of wrap it up with this way. And uh, by the way, if you can't tell, I'm getting really fired up here, so I have to, I have to uh, wind myself back a little bit. Um, because Jesus came to unite people in a family. And the Bible makes this very clear. There's no more Greek or Jew. There's no more male or female. There's no more slave or free. There's no more black or white. Now we are one in Christ. And I just don't understand. Why is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ not leading the culture on this issue? Why are we lagging so far behind the culture, Troy? Because the military is miles ahead of us. Most businesses are miles ahead of the church on this one. Why is the church so far behind? I would say because of their lack of being willing to change. Before Jeff and I even met to even, before I even met him previously to two cities, I asked a couple of, of black pastors about the same question we're talking about today, not knowing a couple of years later I'll be answering it. Out loud in front of a mind. whole bunch These of people. Are, these are like behind the scenes, calling the pastor at, on a weekday, hey, on this issue. And they said that in order for this to happen, you would have to pretty much start the church from scratch. Because churches that are well-established, they are been, been used to doing things a certain way, they're used to the people that come into their church, they're not willing to change. Although their community is changing around them, they are still not willing to looking, diving to how do we diversify our congregation with music and worship. And I asked some musicians as well. I didn't just stick with pastors. I asked some well-known musicians the same questions. And they all came back the same answer as the pastor. You got to start it from scratch. And I think that's why we are still lagging behind businesses in the military because of the lack of pastors willing to commit to change within their congregation to seeing what other people like to hear or like to do and so on and so forth and evolving um, with Christ as the lead. Yeah. You're not evolving following the culture. You, Christ is still at the head and you're just adding that into what you're already doing to welcome those, those people in. Yeah, I just, it's a place that I, <laughs> I started out public service, I guess, if you will, as a firefighter, not in the military. So one of my favorite movies is Backdraft. And there's a quote in the middle of that movie that I think is highly important to this conversation. And there's a conversation happening at a firehouse in Chicago, and one of the guys looks at the other guy and he goes, you know, we have a lot of traditions in the fire service. And he goes, yep, 175 years of tradition unimpeded by progress. And they end that quote by saying, yep, we certainly got lots of great traditions like dying young. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I find that that type of mentality applies over and over again whenever I hear the, but we've always done it this way or type argument or that's the way it's always been. It's like, right, but in any circumstance, but especially in the kingdom and building the kingdom, why is it ever okay that the way we've always done it, knowing it's yeah. broken, that it yeah. would continue? Yeah, so I'm just going to say it like this, and then we're going to wrap up this part and turn to your live questions, is if a church leader has an all-one culture church in a very multicultural community, I just want to look that church leader in the eyes and say, whose kingdom are you actually building? Jesus's or yours? 
Because if you're pursuing Revelation 7, 9, if you're pursuing Luke 13, then your church ought to look like your community. And if it doesn't, maybe you're building the wrong kingdom. And I got to get off of this one because I'm going to start spitting and there'll be veins popping out of my forehead in just a second. Listen, we began this whole sermon series because people were really, really going deep with one another. And it started to bubble some differences up. And I really hope, number two on the screens, that you, if you're not in a life group, not connected with others uh, in a group in any way, that you'll start to get connected so that you'll reach out right there in our mobile app and get started in one of our life groups. We have groups that meet all during the week, all different times um, for people all over the country and really around the world. Um, I also want to challenge you, if you are in a group, don't settle for shallow. I think what God is calling his people to is deep relationships. There's something beautiful when you get deep with three to five people and go really deep with them. You can't get deep with 30 or 50 people in a group, but you can with three to five. And he's calling us to deep relationships. But I just want to say, maybe somebody goes home today and they look in the mirror and they're forced to ask the question, is it my preference or am I actually prejudiced? Is that why I want my church to act this way? And maybe what you need is a heart change. Maybe you need the Lord Jesus Christ to radically change your heart for the first time. And if that's you, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. In fact, I'm going to pray for all of us. And I'm going to pray that we will do real work on this issue. Look, we just t uh, touched the tip of the iceberg today. Right there in the mobile app, there is an orange link at the bottom of the sermon page with a resource with videos and articles and books. You can read tons more on this subject and all of that stuff that's on that page you can trust. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.